Welcome to the Write Your Novel with David Allen Patali podcast, a place for real talk about what it takes to create a book. My name's David Allen Patali, and I'm going to give you a no-bullshit run-through of the tips, techniques, and insights that have shaped my writing practice and helped me create a novel I'm truly happy with. We write because it's hard, because we have to, because we need to, but you don't have to suffer needlessly for your art. With the right strategies, mindset, and community, you can get it done and enjoy the process. So let me take you on a ride where writing myths get exploded, excuses get torched, and the path gets lit just a bit brighter. Hello readers and writers and welcome to another episode of my podcast all about writing and writing life. And I just wanted to start this week's discussion by telling you about a really interesting experience that I had on the weekend uh, where... On the Saturday, I hosted the author Carrie Cox to talk about her wonderful book, So Many Beats of the Heart. We were at Clarkson Library in Perth's northern suburbs, and very rainy day, uh, you know, lots of lots of wind and, and precipitation on the way there. So um, I was expecting not too many people to turn up just because of the rain. You know, that tends to keep people away, no matter how many people book in. But to my relief, and I think to Carrie's relief too, we had probably close to forty people show up for the author event, which was a fantastic turnout. Uh, Lots of books were sold. We had a really, really great time sitting on a couch together, just having a chat about um, how she came to write her book, what it's all about, what her inner feelings were about this. And in the corner of my eye, so I'm sitting on the left-hand side of the couch, talking to Carrie, juggling the microphones, um, getting people to ask questions, all that kind of thing. But out of the corner of my eye throughout the talk... I noticed uh, there was a lady there with a young girl who was, they were reading children's books together at the start. But then, as the talk began, I thought, okay, well, they're just in the kids' section, they're going to leave once our, once our, um, once our chat begins, because this is, you know, um, uh, probably not of interest to this young girl, so, you know, like an adult conversation about, about books, but much to my, uh, I'm very surprised to be Sorry, I'm, I'm very happy to be undone by this because they stayed. For the whole chat, they stayed. And they were always at the sort of the edge of my my sight and sitting on the edge of their seats, listening very, very intently as Carrie described how she wrote the book, the research that she went through, what sort of personal journey it was, what, she, what it meant underneath everything for her. Um, and just really, really giving of her experience and just... Um, really engaging with uh, all the people in the audience asking questions. And it was just a thoroughly wonderful author talk, especially because we could hear the rain outside, you know, smashing down on the corrugated tin roof above us and sloshing past us in the street. But here we were in this dry, warm, well-lit, clean place talking about books with an urn of tea every now and again that clicked on to go into its boil and a bunch of Kingston's on the table. What could be better than that on a Saturday afternoon? And... After the talk, um, it was really, really wonderful to actually watch this big line of people lining up to buy Carrie's book to engage her to get her to sign. And who should be in the line? The lady with the little girl. Getting closer and closer and closer. And when it came time for Carrie to speak to uh, the woman and, and this little girl, they had a great, great chat. Um, just you know, lots of laughing and back and forth. And then the lady came up to me afterwards and said, you know, we didn't even know about this author talk being on. 
um, we just happened to stumble across it. We, um, you know, um, my girl here, she's a she's a she's a wonderful reader. She comes every week. She, you know, she maxes out her library card, and this is her first time seeing an author in person. So we just decided to stay, and it gave me shivers because I thought, what a what a wonderful experience. You know, she would have been all of maybe nine or ten years old, but there she was with this big armful of books that she'd gotten out from the library, beaming ear to ear because she'd seen a real life author talking about her experience of creating something. And I just, I don't know, I just sort of took a step back and thought, wow, that's, that's really amazing. That's one of the, one of the big reasons why um, authors do what they do. You know, we don't, we don't do it for the enormous sums of money that come our way. Um, we, we do it for that sort of level of connection. And it was great that, you know, if you can see something, you can be something. And it made me think, you know, um, did I ever see an author talking about their book like that when I was a child, and I've got to say no. You know, I grew up in Perth's northern suburbs in the in the eighties and the early nineties, and uh, authors, even if they did do chats at, at libraries, it certainly wasn't something that I was ever exposed to. Though I was a voracious reader, you know, kind of like Matilda, I guess I'd go along to the library and get books out from the from the kids section. When I got bored of that, I'd sneak off into the adult sections, you know, where you can you can get all the good stuff and. I uh, take books like that, and I grew up with lots of books around me. My grandparents' place had, you know, big libraries everywhere that we would we would steal books from. So I've always had books around me, but the first time I can I can honestly say the first author talks that I ever saw were at the Perth Writing Festival when I was, you know, in my twenties. I wasn't really exposed to that, so it's an interesting notion that you know you can if you can see it, you can be it. And perhaps I needed to see it earlier. Maybe that would have shaved a few years off, off my own writing career. But I think it's a really important thing um, to embody writing, um, to almost play act at it before you actually do it. I know this this might sound a bit strange, but the the thing I actually really wanted to talk to you today about today was it really made me think about um, the different workspaces that I've had when I was writing Locust Summit leading up to its publication and how each each of these different work desks was actually me kind of play-acting at being a writer. If you can see it, you can be it. That's that's what this, this encounter with, with this woman and her little girl got me sort of thinking about it was, you know, well, how did I create the space for myself to be able to imagine myself doing what I was doing? Because... Yes, we can just sit down and write, but you know it's far far better to sit down and write with a bit of purpose. So, for me, Locust Summer was written largely while I was travelling, which was a really really fortunate thing because I was free from judgment almost to almost pretend to be a writer. So, there's four desks that I want to talk to you about today, and maybe that that's going to help you on your own writing journey because I'm a big believer in, in you know believing your own make believe. So. Um, the first desk that I had that was really like a writer's desk that I really felt was when I was uh, living and working in Bali. We were living in Ubud, beautiful, uh, beautiful little uh, sort of, well, it's a town now, but uh, it's a village essentially that's grown into a large area um, that's made famous by Eat, Pray, Love. So while we were there, you know, that was it was pretty hippie. There was lots of um, lots of yoga and lots of juice bars and that kind of thing, but we decided to stay at a house full of what were then called digital nomads. So they were people who were working online, but using that money to travel. And that's what my wife Carmen and I were doing. We ended up traveling for about five years doing that. You know, we were doing copywriting online and then using the money to keep traveling 
and wherever we were in the world we could always find work so we were digital nomads that was the the term now <laughs> back then that was sort of like 2015 2014 and we ended up living in this place called keith's place which was kind of like a share house on a rice paddy a beautiful uh two-story villa uh right on the rice paddies where we had uh, uh we had you know <laughs> fields of uh so be yeah, big big rice fields all around us and farmers living a traditional life and it was very quiet at night time you could hear the gamelan music playing through the trees the moonlight very romantic and very still place to be and it was ideal for writing because every morning i'd get up at about 4 30 5 o'clock well before the sun came up brew myself some tea and go out to the veranda deck where it was quite quite warm still and looking out, usually over the moonlit rice paddies, I could see the sort of darker outline of Mount Ogung, the enormous mountain in the centre of Bali. And as I sat down on a just a rickety old desk that I'd sort of cadged together um, with a crappy table and a crappy couple of crappy chairs, and just started writing like a summer, connecting to what I was trying to do, I just I felt like a writer. I felt this was an incredibly romantic situation and setting to be in. And as I wrote. The day would warm up and the light would rise and I would see the sun rising and then outlining Agung and it was this epic, epic moment um, of actualizing this writing dream into reality. Because like I say, if you can see it and if you can feel it, you can do it. It was far better than simply just getting up and rolling out of bed and going into an office like I do now and <laughs> tapping, tapping the writing out. But I can do that now because I'm, I have a more professional mindset. Back then, um, I was a more, in a more inspirational, creative mindset. I needed to feel that. I needed to be in that space to believe it. And that's why this was a really good... I always talk about how writing is kind of seasonal. I honoured that season in myself. I needed to feel like a writer. Um, I needed to play act at it, almost. So this was this beautiful romantic setting where I really connected to my work and also to the emerging identity of being this writer it sounds terribly wanky i know but it was important at the time and so i think if you can if you're not sort of feeling like a writer put yourself in a space where you do feel like one i think it's okay to you know a lot of people go write in cafes and they get made fun of because it's said to be performative or go right going to write in a library or something like that but as long as you're grounded in a feeling of this makes me feel good this makes me feel like I am embodying my role. I think that's important in the beginning of your writing journey. I mean, so much of the thing, so many of the things that we do, you know, you, you fake it till you make it, you try it till you buy it. I think it's part of that process. The ultimate goal really is to be able to write anywhere, you know, without without even thinking about it. And that's that's the next one that I I want to talk to you about, um, because that's the folding table. That I had um, when my wife and I went on a caravan trip around Australia with our young uh, eldest daughter. Now we went for 18 months. Can you believe that? 18 months. And the whole time, Ruby was quite young. So whenever you know she went to bed at say six o'clock, six thirty, and so the inside of the caravan naturally needed to be a quiet, dark space. Um, for you know, until we went to bed. So myself going in there and writing is probably not the best thing to do. And I couldn't really do it in the mornings because it would mean um, 
getting up very noisily and potentially waking her up because so, I was trapped in the sort of back half of the caravan and she was in the front. So I decided to do all my writing at night and we bought some camp tables and camp chairs and I had a hurricane, like an, a, a solar hurricane lantern. And each night after our full day of traveling and doing a bit of digital work to keep paying the bills, that kind of thing, I'd pull out this uh, folding table and just get to work. I'd do it wherever I, wherever I could. And though, yes, it was a very romantic thing, you know, often I was under the stars or I had a beautiful view of something, it was really to me just, once I turned that little hurricane lamp on, it was like a, a, my own little private space. It didn't really matter what was around me. It meant that I could focus and do my work. And to me, it felt very, um, very professional, even though from a distance, it just, you know, it looks, it looks like a kind of <laughs> indulgent scene, you know, oh, there he is riding on his camp table, that kind of thing. Uh, but I felt very professional doing it because it was this determination at that stage of the manuscript's progress to finish the bloody thing. By hook or by crook, it didn't matter where I was writing, it didn't matter what I was doing, I just needed to get the work done. And that folding table was the solution. And sometimes when it rained, um, I had to get even a bit more creative. And I often talk about the best desk that I had, uh, this is my third desk, um, is the standing desk that I discovered for myself at the Mount Barker Caravan Park outside Adelaide because... You know, it would rain, you know, it was, Adelaide's pretty rainy, especially um, toward the winter months, and it got very, very cold. And the great thing about the laundry room at the Mount Barker Caravan Park is that it's really warm. You've got these beautiful dryers going, you know, all the grey nomads like to, like to dry their sheets and all that kind of stuff, so I'd be in there. And there was a little half wall. There were no desks that were in there or anything. It was just a half wall, half brick wall. But... A perfect height for a standing desk. I balanced the computer on there, balanced my nice little slug of whiskey, which was very important for the cold, you know, it's medicinal purely. And then I'd just be there, typing away, happy as, you know, happy as Larry, just in this beautiful, warm, dry space with uh, the dryers going, which is an even better thing because you've got a bit of white noise to, to connect your brain to and, and shut up your thoughts and just get deep into the, get deep into the motion of, of writing the words. So that was a really great desk. And I was always looking on that trip as well, where I couldn't use the folding table, I'd look for a desk like that standing desk that I found in the Mount Barker <laughs> Caravan Park. Uh, it was just a wonderful thing. And to kind of bring it full circle, um, you know, the importance of the importance of almost play acting at being a writer is, is you know, it's a really nice thing. Um, the worst <laughs> case that I had of it, the best worst case of, that I had of it, was you know I'm a big fan of Graham Greene. He's one of my one of my writing heroes, and one of his uh, best books is The Quiet American, which is set in what was then Saigon, and a lot of it is set at the Hotel Continental, right in the centre near the Opera House. In fact, one of the pivotal scenes is where um, uh, his his protagonist is sitting. On the balcony, at uh, well, not not on the balcony, at, on the veranda at the Hotel Continental, and he witnesses a bombing just across the square from him. Of course, I had to go on right there, didn't I? Now, bear in mind, you know, we we'd been travelling for a long time. We didn't exactly have all that much money, and we were living at this beautiful um, old ramshackle building 
um, in Saigon, in the middle, you know, just in the middle of a neighbourhood, up up three or four flights of stairs. And Carmen and I had actually gone out to the markets and bought desks and chairs so that we could set up an office with a view of uh, with a view of the river and everything down below whilst we were while we were living there. So we did have very good working spaces. We had a professional working setup, but sometimes I just think you need a bit of romance. So. On a day that uh, Carmen went off, I think, with some friends to go and do something, I took myself off to the Hotel Continental and I sat on the veranda for three or four hours drinking some of the most expensive cups of coffee that I've ever had, but working away on my manuscripts um, in a very beautiful experience of just sitting in an environment where I felt really, really comfortable and really, really inspired and also hideously self-conscious. Because there I was, you know, guy pretending to be a writer. But I didn't care. As long as you just sort of uh, push through those blocks and, and just embrace that moment. And now I look back on that uh, as a really, really important experience for me because it allowed me to connect to my dreams and it allowed me to connect to some of the reasons that I was doing it, you know, that I do this. It's not all about the glamour. It's not all about um, any of that. It's just about trying to uh, create opportunities to step outside of yourself so that you can write about other things, to get out of your own way, to get out of your own head. And if that's a way that you can do that, you can either do that through uh, the, you know, a, a professional setting or a romantic setting. And I think you can switch between the two, so it's nice to do. These days, I write in this office. I've never had an office before. So it's a spare bedroom that I've just kind of filled with stuff that I have. Um, for the most part, I can't see any of it. It's all behind me. So from here forward, I just have blank walls and a view of my back garden, which is mostly a hedge. That's a constant reminder that I need to trim the bloody hedge. One day I will, but not today. <laughs> I've got writing to do. But it's nice to have your own space. It's nice to have somewhere that you have a focal point where this is where you do your work. Now, Carmen and I work from home on our, our regular business, Red Platypus, and we have an office at the front of the house. So I, I find that it's kind of like not having a TV in the bedroom. I kind of, I stick to just writing and create anything to do with writing, I do it in this room. Anything to do with other work, I do it in the office. And so that's nice to have that complete split of the two things. So. But to me, that's a luxury. That's the first time I've ever had it. You know, quite a lot of Locust Summer was written on the train in Perth, going back and forth to my old job before we went um, on the caravan trip. You know, I had 10 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the afternoon sometimes, you know, just to pull out the laptop and smash out some words or do some editing or do a character exercise, something, anything, whatever I could, whenever I could. And it was always a little rushed, but that's by the same token, now that I have my own space, it has a different challenge because, you know, as Orson, Orson Welles once said, the absence of limitations is the enemy of art. So in this room, I don't necessarily have any limitations other than time. I don't have interruptions in here. I don't have the, you know, the, the feeling of somebody looking over my shoulder or somebody wanting, asking me, would you like another coffee, sir? You know, another $15 coffee. No, I'm okay. It's just a different challenge within this space. So I suppose to sum everything up, Wherever you can work and find the juice, wherever you can find some sort of inspiration that matches the season of writing that you're in. 
So if you're in a creative season, maybe it's maybe it's a good thing to you know go out and and write at a cafe or write in the park or, or find somewhere that's going to help inspire you or make you feel like you're a writer, make you feel like you're actually embodying this not not persona this uh, this professional mindset. If you can actually connect with a place that's going to allow you to do that, then do that. And to me, that was the Hotel Continental. Um, rising with the sun in Bali, doing all these sort of um, borderline romantic things to help you get there. But if you're in a let's just smash it, get the professional mindset, then, you know, the folding table, the dedicated workspace, that's going to match it. So it's it's not a compulsory thing. I think it's just something that I've sort of stumbled across. But where you work can often be a very helpful thing. So I hope wherever you are working, though, that you're having a good time and that you're getting your work done in the best way that you can. And if it's not flowing, well, maybe you can go to the park. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Write Your Novel with David Allen Patali. If you loved what you heard, hit the subscribe button. You can follow me on socials at David Allen Patali. Don't forget, this podcast is about writing your novel, so make sure you drop any of your questions into the link in the show notes, and I'll make sure I answer it on the show. Until next time, happy writing.